Welcome everyone to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, February the 10th, as we record this podcast. The Cavaliers doing a pretty solid job on the hardwood of uh, making us kind of forget about all those games they lost. Um, but we're still going to talk about why uh, Justin and, and Dave are scared about Saturday's game in Durham. Um, and uh, I'll either sound really, really smart or I will jinx the crap out of it because I am I am not. I, I, I just don't think that this is a game that Virginia fans need to be uh, concerned about. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that and, and you guys can try to, you know, explain to me why I am. But I, I just I honestly I, I just do not see this being a big deal. Um haven't seen a line yet. Ha- I'm not really don't really care about it. I just uh, I don't know. This just is not a game I'm I'm that concerned about. We'll get into that. Let's go around and introduce everybody. First out in Waynesboro, David Spence. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Who days on the board at Who Days on Twitter? And staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Welcome, uh, Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. He said welcome. Whatever, I don't know what to say. I've run out of things to say. Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Okay, all right. First off, let's talk about the domination that was last night uh, of the Hokies. And just, like, I got to say, from from somebody who runs a website that covers UVA sports, when – when you just like when you get into a game and it's very very clear very very early that like this is just not going to be a problem. I got to say those are I don't care who they're playing. I don't even care how they're playing. All I care about is man, this one's this is going to be a win and I don't even need to worry about the next 2 hours. Um that that to me is is as close to to great as it gets. And it was very clear last night. It was a clear by the under 16. Yeah, this ain't going to be a problem. Um I, I got to say, though, I was really surprised at how bad Tech played. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of that was, was UVA. Um, but I was really surprised at how bad Tech played. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I was more surprised by the, how well they played down there, um, you know, which was coupled with us playing bad. But, yeah, I mean, they did look a lot tighter than I thought and you know, a little bit hesitant and you know, I think starting not starting Lede was a mistake for them because I, I think he brings a it brings a dimension they don't have without him on the floor. It allowed us to stay big and you know, well, right. even with our small lineup to play big. Um, right, right. But yeah, it's the defense is just locked in right now. Well, see, the thing to me, and, and you make a good point about Lede. I, I, I'm not really sure what um, what old Buzz was thinking on that one. Um, I understand that they he didn't start the game before. Um, but 
Virginia did such, a, I think, a great job. Uh, well, I mean, the, the foul trouble really kind of handcuffed him a lot. Um, that that much was clear. But to me, I thought Virginia did a good job of. Uh, I mean, he really just did not get a lot of good looks, and quite frankly, not not not, not many of them did. I mean, I didn't think that, um, you know, that that the Hokies got many good honest looks, especially early on. I mean, once that thing. I mean, I mean, I thought Virginia really came out focused and came out in you know there was not going to be any looking over this team um Ferber, what about you what, what did what were what were some of your i mean did you expect tech to be that bad yeah i, I mean they, it was really rocky right from the start i mean they threw the ball out of bounds a couple turnovers it was just like dave said i wasn't really expecting them to be so tight especially since they already beat uva the first time i thought they'd kind of come out like guns blazing like who cares this is like you know house money kind of um it felt like the opposite. It felt like they were like, "Oh, we got to try to beat them twice," and yeah. it's going to take it's going to take a superhuman effort on the road. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. They came out tight, and, and it was like they felt like they had to do everything perfect, and then that just made it worse. Well, you know, it almost made me wonder going back to the Tech game, the first one, right? If and I and I and I wish I still had that on the DVR, but like, I I, I don't remember what happened in the early goings, but I wonder if they were do if they were trying to like. To get those same looks, and then they weren't there, and they clearly, clearly weren't. I mean, there was no mojo for them in terms of their offense, right? I, I mean, think more at Tech, it was we were doing what they were doing. We were, I think we turned the ball over like that game six of our really, first twelve it possessions. It started off like really ugly. It was like yeah. two nothing at the under sixteen or something like that. I remember it was like a really slow start. And even last night, you know, it's not like they were out of the game, even though you know. You could tell they were, but on the scoreboard, right? Yeah, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. It was on. We like, were still playing. It was on like on a three possession too. game or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, to me, the thing that stood out most was even though they didn't get the same thing that they got from Malcolm Brogdon in the previous six games of the winning streak, um, you know, I, I thought that they were very strong as a as a group. I thought Isaiah Wilkins showed last night um, how integral he can really be. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Matt Joseph asked me a question on the radio earlier today, basically saying, "Is it a problem that Virginia's, you know, getting these contributions from different guys, different nights?" And I said, "Well, realistically, like that's not really ha- that hasn't changed. Like they, they've always gotten contributions from different guys on different nights. That's kind of been the thing they've been doing for the past couple seasons. The difference with this team has been that uh, earlier in the year they just were not very good um, when." Like it was almost like the, the, you had to have the stars shine really, really, really bright because you you the the supporting cast was so inconsistent, right? When Virginia really struggled was when only like one of those guys shined really bright. That's a weird question. <laughs> How you think about it? that's just basketball. Well, you in, know, in, in the course in, of the season, you're going to have nights like that. In essence, but I think I think what he's trying to get at is in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years where they've gone wrong is that they haven't the guys haven't nobody stepped up. And so if you have a, diff- have a thing that, uh, hey, you're expecting every- different guys different nights, okay, that's cool. But what happens when, like, that's not there, you know, and you don't have that consistent? And, I mean, it, it is kind of a weird question in the sense because Malcolm Brogdon has been extremely, ex- extremely consistent over, the, over this winning streak. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of understand it in the sense of, okay, if you're looking toward the postseason and you need to get contributions from everybody and they all have to be steady, like, if – if if Virginia went in there every night and they got 22 points from Brogdon, they got 17 from Gill, 
They got seven to twelve from Perantis, uh, and then everybody else kind of filled in. The difference is is that like you have some some ebbs and flows. You might have AG only score four like he did against Louisville. Uh, you can have Perantis has nights where kind he kind of disappears in terms of scoring. The thing to me is that it's not the reason that they're winning isn't because their offense has been cons- more consistent. It has that's but that's not the reason. The reason they've been winning is because their defense is finally right, and that's the piece that that was missing. And you see now, like, okay, when they play good defense like they have from the start, they, when the energy's there and they're locked in mentally and they're, and they're in it, like their offense follows suit. I mean, you look at what was that first half last night, like 14 assists on 15 made baskets or something like that? Like the efficiency numbers go through the roof when Virginia plays good defense. And I think that's the blueprint, not necessarily the different guys, different nights. It's that when the, when the team is playing good defense, everybody gets involved. Um, so to me, like I watched that game last night and I'm just like, okay, does it really matter that Malcolm's not, you know, he didn't have as efficient of a night. He, he struggled a little bit from the field. Okay. Like didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't hurting him. I mean, tech was giving him so much in the post. Um, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't go to it more. Um, because man, like you could, I, I think I said this on Twitter, like you could park a guy, you could park a big at the end on the baseline in Virginia. You could park a dude at that end, and he would just eat. You just catch one dribble to the basket every time. While they, I mean, I would have gone to that thing all night long. Um, but it just to me was it was just a thorough kind of. It was a statement in a lot of ways because it it, it there was no doubt that Virginia was winning that game, um, and that's the that's the way it used to be in terms of the last few seasons, right? When it came to Virginia, very rarely ever played down to an opponent. Maybe for like a. Uh, you know, a few minutes stretch here or there, but not for an entire game, and certainly not out of the gate to set the tone for the game for the entire night. Um, so, to me, that's the that's the piece that's been missing, um, and that's the thing that we're seeing now. Yeah, I mean, uh, the you know our, we talk about how the you know the the interchange between our defense and offense, and you last night and in Pittsburgh and at Louisville, you saw it. I mean, we. You just get so tight. You have to work so hard to play offense on us, and then we work you on defense. It's we're like the Tommy Frazier Nebraska teams. You know, it might be close at halftime, but you know, those legs aren't going to hold out. We're going to bust one, and that's just how it is when the defense is good. And when we didn't have that defense for that little stretch there, you know, that's our offense is much better efficient efficiency wise, and it's been I don't know if it's much better than last year, but it's it's much better than it was, you know couple years ago um but you know it's it's based a lot on our defense and our guys plus plus our guys are not willing to you know are more than comfortable to wait till the last 10 seconds to, to run offense and if they're doing that it virginia is a tough out and i don't know if it matters much you know i don't really make a big deal out of you know the malcolm you can't expect malcolm um gill and london to be hot every night that's just the way it is i mean the NCAA tournament kind of magnifies that because it's one and done, but you know, very few teams have one guy they lean on and, and make it all the way. You know, Kimball Walker's UConn would be the exception, but even even then, I, there was a couple games he didn't hit the shot. So you need those guys, and it's nice when there's when there's such versatility in them. When you've got a guy like Gil La, I, Wilkins last night who can hit that mid range jumper, and um, then another night it's Toby who can play on the post or. Then you got Nolte coming around. You know, they're all different guys that bring you something different to the table, depending on who you're playing. So 
that's an encouraging sign for me more than a discouraging one. That makes sense. I, I and and that I want to I want to take this in a in a kind of a different direction too. Like, all right, so we've seen what we've seen the last seven games, and we see how stark of a contrast that is to the you know the early ACC season. To me, I feel like Virginia in the past few years has peaked early, um, and then kind of had to kind of figure a thing. Even even the ACC championship year, you know, um, the the that that team I felt like. Uh, hit its stride, uh, had had some bumps. Um, maybe even not bumps that necessarily showed up in the win loss column, but still had some bumps. Um, so the, I guess what I wanted to, I want to get down to, and maybe maybe why I'm not necessarily worried about them on on Saturday. But what's the what what's the difference going into the postseason for this team as we sit here, you know, February 10th? You know, we're about a month away from the ACC tournament. Uh, do you see things in this team that you think? will make a difference um, when, when, when the postseason rolls around. Ferber, let's start with you. What are you seeing from this team, and, and what do you st- or maybe even what do you still need to see from them going into the postseason? You mean as like compared to last year? Well, just in, in, in terms of being successful in the postseason. And the reason I'm – I guess maybe, let, me pre- let, me, let me give you this background, right? So, like, I guess the thing is is that Virginia's been very successful the past couple years in the, in the regular season, right? And then he, last year, obviously, was a little bit different because at the end of the year, Justin with the finger and the ap- appendectomy and all this stuff. So they weren't playing necessarily their best basketball. They were kind of trying to put it back together um, and get, a, get that groove during the ACC tournament. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is when you look at Virginia right now, how do they compare with a team that you think can be successful? Is this a is this a team that you look at and you say, "Yep, this is a this is a this this team has enough of this and has enough of that that this team can be good um, in the postseason?" Or, or there still concerns that you have either you know whether it's specific to one side of the floor, whether it's specific to personnel, the rotation, what have you. How do you feel about this team going into the postseason this year? Uh, pretty good. Um, I mean, I think. One of the positives is it demonstrated an ability, like you said, to rely on different guys on different nights and be, you know, kind of complete. Whereas London can have a big game, or Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm's pretty consistent, but um, you know, he can have a game where he only has ten instead of twenty, twenty-two points, something like that. Um, Toby can give you flashes off the bench. You saw Wilkins last night can do some things. Um, you know, can score. That shot's coming together nicely for him. Um, but I, I think that's a plus. I think you know the de- like you said, the defense is improving. So. Um, they're they're just solid, you know what I mean, on both ends of the floor. And I think if they can carry that into the postseason, they'll be fine. The thing that worries me a little bit, and um, maybe not as big of a deal of late, but definitely in their losses, you saw it, are just these gaps on offense where like they just have like three or four clunker possessions, turnovers, bad shots, the shot clocks run. It almost looks like they're playing against themselves sometimes. Like the way that, you know, like teams will have to struggle for something late in the shot clock. Their offense will sometimes have to do that too. So obviously you want to avoid those as much as possible. But um, if they can get consistent um, offensive output from people that aren't Brogdon um, or Gill, I think that uh, they'll be okay. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, this team, I just, you think about the last, you know, the last three years, um, the, the team that kind of broke through in two years ago, went in the ACC tournament, which, you know, we, we kind of talk about like it's no big deal, but that, I think that was so huge. I mean, it's so huge for Virginia. Um, you know, that team, you, you had two, you know, 
two senior leaders and a bunch of young talent around them. You know, Joe and Akil were hungry, hungry. Um, and they helped drive that team. And now the problem was Joe and Akil didn't have much postseason experience either. So we got to the postseason and kind of fumbled. Now, last year, because we were so much better and we thought about it, we've talked about it on the podcast before, last year was supposed to be the down year. Um, but Justin's, you know, emergence kind of, and just the team overall kind of stepping it up, you know, I guess it's easy to kind of forget that was supposed to be the down year with this year being the big one. Now, granted, we lost, lost Justin because of last year, but the one thing that occurs to me the most about going into the postseason with this team is the fact that you've got, like, Malcolm's hungry. Um, he's playing like it now. You're getting towards the end of the season. I mean, I th- I'm not making excuses. They played bad defense. Was, you know, the team was not good for a little stretch there. But and we've... You know, these guys have played a lot of games, and now that it's getting closer to the end of the season, that's what they're working for now. Um, and I like the fact that we've got veteran leadership and we've got young guys, and now the veteran leadership that will will be the fire of the team, and we're starting to see that come out more and more every game. You start to see you know, more talk from Anthony, more talk from LP, and um, you know, Toby's even playing a little, little harder. As that gets into the postseason, now now your leaders are not only your senior leaders are not only firing you up; they've also got experience in the postseason. Um, I mean, there's certainly concerns just because of the way the game's being played now. It's even though we've been much better the last few games, we haven't played, and it will not to transition in the Duke talk, but we haven't played a really really good three point shooting team in this little stretch. Um, we've had some players that are good, but a team we haven't, and. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that shoot a lot of threes, and the pack line. Even when you ex- you know extend on your man and, and help, you're going to give up some open threes occasionally. So it's less about what we have and what's kind of the way the game is trending. Um, you know, just when you're shooting that number of threes, all it takes is the right team to get hot. So I, I like the uh, I like the cards we're playing with though. Right. Well, I was just I was actually just uh, the the reason this question came to me is because I was looking at the. Um I was looking at on Kim Palm, and I was looking at the 2014 year. And the thing that jumped out to me was that year Virginia was seventh in the nation in effective field goal percentage. And I looked at 2015, and they were fourth. And then I looked at 2016, and they're 106th, right? In, in 2014, they were fifth in the country in, uh, in terms of their defense, in terms of offensive rebound percentage, okay? In, in 15, they were fifth as well. This season, they're 19th, right? Teams are getting to the line more. Uh, they were 35th in the nation in um, the percentage between free throws attempted and field goals attempted. 22nd last year, they're 119th this year. And the reason I'm making these points is that, like, even though the defense has crept back up into the top 15 nationally in adjusted deficiency, it's still it, – it, they still are um, – I mean, anybody who uses Kempom, there's not enough green in that column. And that was the thing about 14 and 15, that, you know, they were they were seventh in, in two-point percentage defense. They were uh, 23rd in free throw percentage defense um, in, in 14. They were third in two-point percentage defense in 15, 10th in free throw percentage defense in 15. It The reason I'm – to me, and, and Dave, you kind of made the point, like, anybody can get hot – the idea is that the the pack line wants you to take threes. Buzz Williams said last night, the, you're, 
the, the pack line will let you run offense. You can do whatever you you can run offense. That's cool. The difference is is that you can't go inside. You're gonna get you're gonna have to make everything outside. I feel like the college game in, in a lot of ways has has kind of moved towards, you know, playing that way. And so Virginia's defense is not quite as good in general and the game itself is allowing for bigger guys, you know, more basically more people to shoot threes or to to take what amounts to lower percentage shots, but we, we're we're all kind of I guess in a in a kind of state of flux in terms of like how we look at that. And I'm curious as we go forward, you know, if you look at the teams that Virginia has left on the schedule, they obviously go to Durham this week, um, this weekend, which we'll talk about. They get NC State a couple nights later. Um, by far, they're they're most likely chance to win. Then they close the season with Miami, Carolina, Clemson, Louisville. That's a tough stretch. It's not quite as tough as the one Carolina has. Carolina's close of the season is incredible. But it's, a, it's still a tough stretch. So, like, to me, none of these teams, none of those teams I just listed are jump shooting teams, right? You know, you, you don't expect Carolina, Clemson, maybe, I mean, maybe to some extent Miami, but not really. Um, I wonder if when they get to the NCAAs, they're still going to be challenged in a way that maybe the past two maybe the issues that they faced when they played a Michigan State, a team that could be physical as well as stretch you out. Um, Belmont last year, stretch you out to the, to the nth degree. Um, and the thing I'm worried about with this team going forward is the defense is, is, is getting better, but that's still, even as, even as some pieces have gotten better, it's still not as efficient or as good, a, a, a good at, at, at stopping shooters, Right as the one previously. I mean, they're 176 nationally in three-point percentage defense. Um, to me, that's a problem. And the reason I think it's a problem is because I feel like that you can't go deep in the tournament if you're Virginia playing Virginia. They're 300, they, they got like the next slowest pace in the, in the country, right? You can't put so much pressure on your offense to be efficient and score in such a higher per, high percentage of their, their, their possessions. Okay, you're basically saying if your if your defense is not going to follow suit, then you're saying okay, you got to cut down on the turnovers almost to the point where they don't exist, and you've got to be even better offensively. Like you have to have Brogdon carrying you the way he has these the stretch because the defense has been really good. Don't get me wrong, but like you're gonna teams are gonna get open three point looks, and and I mean basically you want your national championship post to come down to well I hope they miss. I mean I don't think that's what you want, um, so. It, you got to cut down on paint touches. You got to cut down on, you know, guys getting, um, you know, Isaiah Wilkins made a good point last night that he, for a while he was overhelping. And that was actually like in the, in the uh, Villanova game. He got in trouble because he kept overhelping. And that is almost as bad as not helping at all. Um, so I, I, I know I'm, I'm really deep in the weeds on this, but like I'm just no. thinking like in terms of the defense and like, Yes, it's gotten much better, and yes, that's a huge improvement, and yes, now they're back to being the team we thought they were going to be. I still wonder, one, are the numbers being dragged down by the fact that, you know, they, they haven't played as good a defense for the season, and therefore, you know, maybe I need to look at the, these games in general, or is this just going to be what it is for this team this year, and they're just going to have to ride with it? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I was looking at the numbers earlier, too, and one thing to keep in mind are our strength of schedule this year, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty absurd. Yeah, you know, it's really good. It's, I mean, of the top, what I think we have the highest strength of schedule of anyone, and the top, the next highest one is Wichita State at twelve. 
um, in the current Kimpom Stadium. So, you know, it's not, it's also who you're playing. You think about all the different styles we, we've played. You know, just look at the Kimpom top 15, how many of those teams we've played. Yeah. So it's, some of that's a factor in it too, but, um, and then, you know, the, the new rules at the beginning of the year and it's a lot of stuff. I, I tend to, yeah, I tend to um, be more encouraged by the fact that teams that have faced the pack line multiple times are the ones we're, we're having success against now. Um, now Louisville hasn't faced it as much as Louisville and Pitt hadn't faced it as much as the other, the other guys, but the fact that teams that kind of have, have books to pull on how they're going to scheme against it or have been having some trouble. It's a little, it's, it's very encouraging to me. Um, and then going to the, on the court, the, on the court play, I don't know. Am I the only one who notices how much better we are at blocking shots all of a sudden? I mean, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, they, they really have come on in that respect. Um, now it helps to be in position and not be chasing. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's but, true. And then the other thing too is that with with better help defense, I think too you're getting a lot more help from the from the weak side. Um, yeah. You know, you you got a guy who 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 is coming over and and being in the right place. Um, and also too, I think that speaks to the athleticism. I mean, this team ha- doesn't have the the shooters that maybe you'd want, but it does have a lot of athleticism, sneaky athleticism. I mean, like you might not look at Devin Hall and think he's like a super athlete, but he's actually a better athlete than like Mario Shayok is, and Mario Shayok's not a bad athlete. Um, Mariel has, uh, yeah. has a has a has a way of making some things hard sometimes because his footwork's not always that great. But and do you guys disagree? I mean, I think uh, I think we're being allowed to play more like last year than we were at the beginning of the year. As far as yeah, you know, we're doing other, a much better job not making contact. Yeah, we're I also think that's be, the other thing is, is is how how much I mean. I hate to say that the officiating can be such an integral part of the whole thing, but the officiating can be such an integral part of when the whole thing. When your tempo is where it is with us. Yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, that you, you're going to have to the, – the, the, the whistles are the, – the rest are going to have to let you play a little bit. But I'm, I agree. I think you're right. I think that the, it's being called a little bit differently. Um, there are certain referees, uh, certain officials – I can't think of that guy's name to save my life. If I, I, I see him, but I can't think of his name. There's this one guy who like – Black hair? No, 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 no. Gray hair, older white guy. Um, who calls everything, like everything. And he does it consistent. I'll give him that. Every time I see him on a game, he's calling it. Um, but he's like the only one that's still calling it as tight as it was in the beginning of the season. I wonder, though, when you get into the NCAA tournament, and the, you know what I'm saying, if that doesn't, yeah. you know, if they don't regress to that. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Duke. Um, yeah. You guys, we were, for those of you listening, uh, we were having a little chatter before we got started on the recording side. And both of these cats are worried about Saturday. Me, not so much. Um, and then, you know, Ferber, I just realized something. When you write the when you write the Duke preview, I haven't I haven't messed with a. I used to do that all the time. Be like, you know, run your preview and then change your score. Um, I haven't mm. done that in a long time. But if you if you depending on how which way you go on this, I'm I might have I'm to, planning to pick UVA in the preview. Okay, well there you go. All right, well, tell me this. Why do you guys wh- – where is that trepidation coming from? Is it just the fact that Virginia hasn't won at Duke since, like, 19 – what is it, 1986? What is it? What's the, 95. 90, 95. 95. My bad. Did I say 86? I meant 95 because um, you know those numbers are so close. All right, is it just the? Is it just that reality? What's – what – Ferber, what's driving your you – wouldn't, you, you wouldn't bet money on UVA feeling right now? Uh – I think that's part of it. I mean, I think it's kind of foolish to just ignore that. Um, and not just because it's, you know, like UVA is a streak there. It's more just because 
there's a reason there's a streak there, and it's because it's a really hard place to go win, especially on a Saturday. Um, partially that. I also think Duke is kind of trending up right now. Um, they're not bad. Uh, they're number two in adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Uh, they're actually predicted to win this game in Ken Palm. So, I mean, and they can shoot threes. They can get hot. They're a team that, like, when they get hot, they can get the crowd into the game, and that makes it even harder to win. Um, they've demonstrated a decent level of success against the pack line in recent years. Um, so I don't think it's, like, out of the realm of possibility that they could win this game. I mean, outside the realm of possibility, I wouldn't go that far. But I just don't. I mean, all right. Let me let me let me explain why I think why at least me okay why I don't why I think Virginia is going to win this game. I feel like Virginia plays well against teams that don't know who they are, and without Emil Jefferson, I don't think Duke knows who they are because the the Thornton kid I don't think has fit as well at point guard. And so if you if you notice they're they're playing. You know, whether it's Thornton, sometimes you're playing Allen, sometimes Kay has played Matt Jones at point guard. Um, I, I just don't know if, if, if that system can be successful without that guy, you know, that dude. You know, and when I say that, I mean the, that, the guy at point guard. That being said, too, is like if Grayson Allen's running point, um, I, I feel like that's, that, that hurts him a little bit. Um, he's a <coughs> very talented player, don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't feel like a lot of a lot of what he can be so successful at is because you're trying to close him out uh, at the three point line. He gets into the lane. I'm gonna have to see him do that against this version of UVA to believe he will. Um, I just don't think he's gonna have the drives that he has that I've seen him. You know, seen him take. Um, I also think that if Marshall Plumley plays as much as Marshall Plumley's probably gonna play, then then you're gonna get Mike Toby out there. Um, and at the same time, like, does anybody really think that like Marshall Plumley, you you couldn't you couldn't match him up with UVA small lineup and actually make Marshall like this is that rare instance where like Virginia's offense because you're not going to give up so much defensively that you can actually take your your advantage offensively and actually utilize it. And then to me that this the key is Brandon Ingram. Like I know Luke Kennard can hit, and I'm not trying to say he can't, but like to me it's about Brandon Ingram. Who is he going to be on the floor? Okay. Is he going to be a point forward? Is he going to be a forward? What's what's who's he going to be? And it seems like to me, like he's he's going to be shifty. He's gonna he's going to give UVA some problems. He's going to be a tough matchup in some respects. But I, I kind of feel like it, it. I feel like UVA can get by with with Wilkins on him. Um, and if that's the case, can Plumley can Plumley really guard AG in the post? It's, you know, Duke. Let's say Duke goes to that that weird. Like that three-two thing with with Ingram at the top, does anybody worry about Perantis with the ball? No. So a lot of the advantages I feel like Duke has like kind of figured out in this three-game winning streak. Like, I just don't see them being advantages. Not to mention like they're not they 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 that NC State game was a lot closer than eight points. That's that Louisville game was a lot closer to seven points. That both of those games were at home, and I don't think either one of those teams are as good as UVA is right now. Um. The other thing to me is that, like, I feel like Virginia matches up better with Duke and Carolina than they did with the Techs. And the, and the way I think that manifests itself is I, I feel like both Carolina and Duke want to be something that they might not necessarily be yet. Um, and I know that's weird to say about Carolina, but, like, I think that's kind of coming to, to fruition. Roy's out there throwing out new lineups, you know, 
Uh, Bryce Johnson might be the first ACC player of the year who actually had a who, who did not start an ACC game per coach's decision. Um, it, it just seems like to me Virginia's in a different place, and I just I just look at the, I look at Duke right now. And I'm like, one can can a team that only plays like 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 six dudes really really make it and not grind down be just be absolutely ground down. I mean, if the if the if that if the refs come out in this game and they call it touch fouls, okay. Now we're in a different scenario. But given the way that I've seen the officiating of the last 7 or 8 games, I just don't I just I, don't, I just don't see how this Duke team can can check the stats. <laughs> Have you I mean, I, not to step on you, but yeah, that's part of what I was going to say scares me. Duke played at Georgia Tech 3 games ago and won. They shot they had like 14 free throws. The last two games at Cameron, they've averaged 30 free throw attempts a game. So there's definitely a ref factor to be involved that always exists at Cameron. But that, I mean, if you go look game by game this year, the discrepancy between them on the road and them at home the last few weeks is outrageous. Um, same dudes, you know, same dudes. If you, let me pull this one up. They had 32 but, but free throw time, attempts though, against NC State. They lost two of those games at home. Huh? What'd you say? But at the same time, they only lost two of those games at home. They lost both the Notre Dame and Syracuse. Teams no, I'm talking about the NC State when they were at home this week. Okay. They had 32 made free throws, right? 32 free throw attempts. When they played NC State and Raleigh, they had 18 free throw attempts. Right, I got you. So, but so they're my, going my, my to get foul calls even at home. If they're, they even always if they're getting do. more calls, it's not necessarily turning into them actually winning the game. Yeah, I mean, they they, they beat NC State. Pre- yeah, you're right. It was closer than the score. Um, for me, you know, it, it's not a fear of what we are versus Duke. It's just what Duke tries to do. I mean, they're averaging almost over 40% of their field goal attempts are three-pointers. Um, and then the number of free throws they're getting, which is just what we talked about, is the kind of team that can hurt us. So saying fear the game, you know, no, I'm not – look, it's a, I, as far as I can tell, it's probably the best chance we're going to have at winning at Duke in quite a while. Um, but they do exactly what – what we're talking about, you know, they, they can get to the line, they'll space you out. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, we could, this is kind of like the, the Louisville game. I mean, uh, you know, I think if we get in there and we lock them down and we get Plumlee in foul trouble early, if Gill really goes after Plumlee and the refs call it that, you know, if, if Plumlee can't play for an extended period of time, they've got no chance. I don't, I'm, they can go five out all they want. You know, it's still, they still got a guard on the other end. Um, but the fact that they just shoot the volume of threes they shoot and the quality of shooters they have, um, if we're a little late spacing or having rotation issues, you know, they can burn you. And when you're, when you're a team that, you know, I, I think we can score against Duke, but when you're a team like us, that that is kind of tempo driven, um, yeah, any any time you hit a three and we're hitting a two. Yeah, but but at the same token, isn't Duke a little bit tempo driven too? Like they are. There's they the are. other. That's the other thing too. Is that like you, that team struggles so bad to try to speed Virginia up, and like you're going to be playing a half court defense, especially with this group. Because like, who's the point guard who's going to be running the break? You see, do you see what I'm saying? Like this is not Tyus Jones ain't walking through that door. Like it's it's a different team and they don't have the pieces to fit with the other pieces to make the thing go the way yeah. that it would need yeah. to do. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm, I actually don't disagree with a lot of what you just said. The thing, the, the thing that I have a problem with is the idea that one, that um, I think they do have shooters. I think they have two very good shooters. I mean, if Brandon Ingram gets nuts. Okay. Well, then maybe they were, we're, we're having a different discussion, but otherwise they've got Allen and Kennard. Um, 
you know, is Matt Jones gonna is Matt Jones gonna get out there and tear it up? He could. I mean, he has that ability. But I don't. I don't look at Duke and say, "Oh man, they got shooters everywhere." I think but they that, got some good shooters. Ingram shoots forty percent from three. Meaning, right, but 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 he doesn't. He if he you look at volume. It, he, yeah, exactly. He's not a volume shooter. He's not like you know Allen or Kennard in that respect. Um, what Kennard's taken taken a a uh, hundred and thirteen this year. Allen's taken one hundred and twenty three. Damn, Ingram's taken one hundred twenty three too. But he's only made fifty. Um, I just I, – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the three of them are, are, are good enough shooters and they're going to put so much pressure on, on, you know, in terms of stretching the floor. Um, the, the, the other thing to me is, that, like, generally the pack line struggles when you have length. You have guys with length who can shoot, which would be those dudes. They don't have a, a, a true point guard to really run the show, and they don't ha- – not really somebody who's going to – you know, they don't have a Tyus Jones who's going to distribute as well as kind of get in the lane. Um, maybe Thornton can do that a little bit, but I don't know if Matt Jones can. And then I, I don't really trust Plumley um, in terms of being able because you kind of need a big who can pass a little bit. Um, he, I, I could be him. I could see him being an absolute turnover machine in this game. And also too, he's ne- he might have played a long time. He's never really contributed um, uh, against in a Virginia game. Fair, yeah, he's just a high energy guy. It's going to be. Yeah, but I, I think but, Toby's but, the guy who's going to end up having to. St- well, that's the thing. Is it like if you can, if I wonder if if Tony sticks with the same starting lineup, how long he stays with it before he tries to go with Toby and Gill in the post? Um, uh, to me, I think that's that that's an interesting wrinkle in this whole thing. Is that Duke and Carolina both have traditional bigs that you you know Toby can spend some time on the floor. I'll tell you, if Duke gets thirty free throw attempts against us, we're gonna have a hard time beating him. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and I would probably have broken a TV. <laughs> He'll probably. I just. I guess. I. I look at this game and I think. You know what? Virginia does really well against teams that don't. That 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 are young and talented and yet aren't a very good team. And that's exactly what I think of Duke. Now, granted, they've won three in a row. Um, you know, one of those games um, was that Louisville game, uh, which was kind of weird in a lot of ways. Two of those were against Georgia Tech and NC State. Um, granted, they've also won four of their last five, um, but they did not look good in that Miami game. Uh, where they lost, so I, I just I, I don't know, man. I don't I don't have the same I don't have the same heebie-jeebies about this one. Maybe that I that I normally do. Hey, um, I had a question for you guys that would kind of relate to something I wanted to say about this game. Have you all noticed in this little streak that Tony is much more? You know how he's always kind of staying back, letting dude, the officials do his so thing. He's on the up. officials a lot more now. He's so amped up. Yeah, because I think he's I, frustrated with just the whole the whole. I, I think his his problem is is consistency. You yeah, know. I mean, there's officials in this league who respond to the coach who's chirping, and I think yeah, Tony's realized that now. I don't know if it's necessarily like him going out of his way to do it. I think he's legitimately, like, genuinely frustrated. You know what it I mean? Like, whereas before he was like, "Well, you know, whatever," but now it's kind of like he's, uh, yeah, like I think Brad's right. I think he's kind of like annoyed uh, almost, like about the consistency and like how things are called. He seems to get upset about, like, missed carries and, and travels and stuff like that a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Which, because my point, if they have 30 free throws, I guarantee you we'll see a technical out of Tony Bennett. <laughs> I wonder if Jamie Lucky's going to be on the call. Oh, I, I expect to see Tony fully engaged with the refs early, because I think that's one thing. You saw it a little more last year against Duke. I think he realizes it. you know, he didn't need it. I guess, what was it, the ACC tournament where Coach K was going crazy and Tony was over there like having a coffee. Um, it's he didn't have a reason to get mad in that game. No, that game was beautiful. But yeah, 
you know, I th- and I think that helps you because I think you know refs get intimidated in Cameron. You know, they're people, um, and some there's a couple um, that will occasionally turn on Coach K, but it doesn't happen very often. So you know how I feel about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean the only. I remember there was the call at the end of the Syracuse game. Syracuse, that was the weirdest Duke home loss for sure was that Syracuse game. There was like the no call at the end. Um, yeah. It didn't really look like a foul, but it was kind of like I expected them to call it because it was at Cameron. And, and everybody in, at Duke was like incredulous that they didn't call it. They've called everyone since. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you guys, well, Dave especially. You, you, I'm not saying that there isn't some level of of truth to the to the worry about the officials and Cameron and all, but like at some level too, like, I mean, it's not that big a deal. Biggest discrepancy in home free throws versus away in the country for six or seven years straight. Uh, okay, that's that's crazy. I mean, but but. But like you're 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 saying that as if as if the, there that's in a vacuum and that there's nothing else nothing else at all that could impact uh, whether or not officials called a foul or didn't call a foul other than the venue. You're taking away the fact that maybe Duke gets more juice at home and therefore they attack. Oh, the they rim could. More. They could. It's just, you're taking. Yeah. You're not. You're not taking into account that maybe other teams are intimidated when they're there and therefore they're more more likely to foul or more likely to reach. I mean. You're, you're you're saying because one thing happens, it's because of this thing. And I'm not saying that that, that that's not a factor. I'm just saying I, I question how much of a factor it is. And, and that's hard. I mean, it's, it's it would be yeah, impossible to nail down. But it's not as bad as it used to be. We're, we're <laughs> about to find out. Yeah, we we certainly will. Well, if, if, I'll tell you this: if we walk out, if I if if we get to if we get there Saturday and old uh, Jamie Lucky's there. I'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, Tony may have a tea before the game starts if that's the case. <laughs> Just like, all right, guys, we're done. <laughs> um, I think that's a good place to to put a pin in it uh, for this week. Uh, we'll see what the uh, see what the matchup does, and then I guess we have a, a real quick turnaround between that game and and the um, and the uh, NC State game on Monday night. So clearly, we won't make it back to a podcast between then and then. I don't have any reason to believe they'll have any problems with uh, with the Wolfpack. Um, although Cat Barber, whoo. He's gonna have. We're gonna have that Eric Green discussion all over again, aren't we? About guys on crappy. teams. I expect for London to go off that game. He gets motivated by that kind of stuff. Guys, guys with on crappy teams who end up winning AC or try to win ACC Player of the Year. What are they like? Two and nine in the in the, in the league right now, um, and they play Saturday too. So we'll see. Um, but the Saturday game ought to be interesting on a number of fronts. Um, also, I hope I don't get covered in blue paint. That's you know. Just my thing. Um, so, yeah, I want to say thank you to uh, Justin Ferber and David Spence for being willing to be back on the podcast again. The three, three-man three show rides again. Um, also want to say again thank you to everybody out there um, who supports the podcast, both on the site as well as on iTunes. Thank you very much for that. So for uh, David Spence and Justin Ferber, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>